This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Always great to talk to our next guest from KDVR Fox 31 and those to call sports night, by the way, on KWG and Channel 2, our friend Aaron Anderson, A-R-R-A-N, and Anderson spelled with S-E-N at the end of it on social, Aaron Anderson, all at one. And Aaron, a happy new year. Thank you for being our uh, first guest of the year. None, what did we miss? Nothing big in the last couple of weeks, right? No, guys. Uh, yes, happy new year. I wish we had something to talk about, but as we know, the Broncos will just sneak quietly into the off season and go into some sort of hibernatory state to emerge in <laughs> April or May when large men practice outdoors in pads. Yeah, well, we'll find out if they end up with a winning season, which all of a sudden appears to be rather important. They have a chance to get the winning season <laughs> against the Raiders, even though their last two games have uh, will end up being totally meaningless in terms of the standings. Uh, here we are again with the Denver Broncos willingly hopping back on the quarterback carousel, which is generally a recipe for mediocrity. When you and I were talking earlier today about uh, having time to join us on the show, I think you put it thusly, it's a soap opera, and it is. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it's funny. Last week was one of the strangest weeks I've ever had in, in covering any sport with uh, the, the demotion, the benching of Russell Wilson, uh, Jarrett Stidham being elevated into the starting lineup, and, and all signs point towards another turbulent offseason where we're going to be wondering who it is that will uh, take snaps for the Broncos in 2024. Worth mentioning, now uh, Stidham is the 13th quarterback the Broncos have used as a starting quarterback since Peyton Manning rode off into the sunset, and, and I'm guessing that number will grow uh, probably uh, maybe once or tw- twice next year as well. I'll give you a list of potential starting quarterbacks for the Broncos next year. And I want you to tell me, because I've got 10 names. If any of the 10 do anything for you in terms of providing that spark that uh, Sean Payton keeps talking about, uh, hard for me to understand how much of a spark he got uh, out of uh, the offense (laughs) getting 16 the other day when it had been averaging almost 22 points. Uh, prior to that, but in any case, here's the list. Mm-hmm. Stidham, Winston, Tannehill, Minshew, Darnold, Brissett, Tyrod Taylor, McCarthy of Michigan, Bo Nix, Michael Penix. Uh, with, any of them one? ring your bell for next year and playoff hopes for 2024 here in Denver? Well, I, I think Penix certainly showed well last night in, in one of the national semifinals. He did. Nix is a guy who, who had a great senior year. And McCarthy's Oregon. got grit. I'll give him that. Yeah. Um, to answer your question, you know, those three are really unknowns, and, and the answer to the question would be no. However, if, if you have, you know, let's say you've got McCarthy or Penix, two guys that uh, have a chance to win a national championship right. to come in that are, are proven winners, certainly that would – I think create a buzz, but you know, my question w- would be a little bit more in depth, which would be, okay, let's say you grab Caleb Williams or Jaden Daniels or Drake may, you know, what does the offense look like? I mean, there's no stars on offense right now. And, you know, with, with the idea as we look ahead that, you know, cushion contract is up and, and you may have to, to, you know, cut Garrett Bowles for salary cap considerations Who's protecting these guys? It feels like you're going to be throwing whoever it may be under center Great into the point. fire. And Great if, point. And if it's a if it's a rookie quarterback, 
I mean, how quickly are they going to turn tail and, and evolve into Russell Wilson, who's back there running in circles, running outside of pass protection and, and you know, creating sacks because, you know, he's, he's used to running for his life. So they, I, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds, no matter who they bring in next year. And, and the interesting thing of that list that Sandy put together, Aaron, I think, is that some of these guys I could rule out immediately because what's very clear about Sean Payton is Sean Payton looks at quarterbacks that do things off script or on script. Sean Payton doesn't like off script quarterbacks. He, he, it's, he's John Elway. There is no plan B. He's going plan A. You run the, the play he called. That's the one he wants. He wants it on time and he wants it on target. That means you're sticking in the pocket. So the mobile quarterbacks, I look at the Jaden Daniels and the Bo Nixes, whose running is a big part of their game, and I think that's not yeah. a quarterback Sean Payton's going to pick. He's not interested in that. He wants a pocket passer. Maybe Penix is an opportunity there, but that leads you to a guy that he had some success with, I guess, a Jameis Winston. I look at Ryan Tannehill, I guess he can't move anymore, but because he can't move anymore doesn't make him a pocket passer, so that's not a fit. Uh, Gardner Minshew is a guy that thrives in off script. Again, not a Payton guy. Payton wants a – this is the challenge that I talked about over the last couple of months, and specifically, you know, in these last couple of, uh, of weeks with people that you know, ran into a person or online or whatever, Sean Payton's style of quarterbacking, the way he approaches teams is a little bit more like college, right? In college, Arn, you, you, want, you decide, I want a tall, left-handed, pocket-passing quarterback. You just go recruit one. You find one somewhere across the country that runs your offense the way you want, and you recruit one. Pros don't work that way in any sport. You're subject to the draft. You're subject to free agency. You're subject to a whole bunch of things that you don't have control over. But Sean Payton's desire to run an offense requires a very particular kind of quarterback. And clearly, in in the experience, if he doesn't have it, he's not going to change. In the NFL, it feels like coaches' jobs are to alter what they do to fit their players, whereas in the college, it's, it's flipped. To my mind, Sean Payton is a great. seems like he'd be a great college coach that doesn't want to coach college. Well, ironically, as you talk about uh, Peyton's search for a, a quarterback who functions in the pocket, doesn't really work off script. The touchdown pass from Stidham last week to, to uh, L.J. Humphrey was, in fact, off script. He, sure. he stepped up to avoid the rush, yep. found Humphrey on the run, and yep. lo and behold, here we go. Um, yeah, that, that, very fair point that, that Sean Payton has a guy. He has a quarterback that he's looking for, much like John Elway did when he drafted mm-hmm. Brock Osweiler. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he, in fact, had Russell Wilson uh, at Dove Valley prior to that draft and, and could have drafted him if, if that fit his eye. I, I don't know at this point, I don't think anybody does, really what Sean Payton's offense looks like, certainly without star power at receiver and tight end, which is where the Broncos are right now. And as, as we look ahead to the returning players, you know, Tim Patrick, uh, Cortland Sutton are two guys who, who may deal with some sort of salary negotiations. They could be cut altogether. And, you know, regardless of who it is back there, I, I just think you've got to surround your quarterback with people who can make plays. So be it in the pocket, be it on the run, you're going to have to find a, a, a healthy mix of that next year uh, to, to find success. And, you know, the, there are so many question marks I have heading into this offseason. It, it really feels like last year where at this point we didn't know who the head coach was going to be. I mean, it's, it's really going to be another, you know, offseason of, you know, rumor and, and uh, social media innuendo as we try to fill in the blanks to, to see exactly what direction they go. Uh, one thing we haven't discussed in, in the last hour, uh, except just in passing, um, we're, we're, we're all going to be focused on what, happens with Russell Wilson 
in the offseason and how they deal with the salary cap issues and all that dead money and will they spread it out over two years or will they uh, take it all in uh, one uh, fell swoop, so to speak. Uh, but, you know, as certain as it is that Russell Wilson will be gone in 2024, isn't it equally certain that the Broncos will be looking for a new general manager in 2024? I, I think that's a great point, and I think it's a great question. And there's a part of me that thinks you may keep George Payton around if you're Sean Payton because you have one more guy to point the finger at to say, ah, you know, we keep him around and maybe you cut him loose halfway through next season and say that guy just doesn't get it. Uh, in a sense, you're buying another year without accountability. But at some point, George Payton needs to go. Um, I, I believe that George Payton has demonstrated an ability to find players, uh, potential players in the draft. I don't think you can afford to cut your front office. Uh, you, you can't afford to, to you know, kneecap your front office at this point where the draft is three months away and you, you've got to certainly put your best foot forward based on the fact that you only have – six draft picks at this point and no second round picks. So I think Peyton will stick around um, at least for the, the time being George Peyton. But we all know that Sean Peyton is the guy calling the shots behind the scenes. I wondered based on the way this whole Russell Wilson contract dispute and whether or not they threatened uh, his playing time. And it went to the, the, uh, <laughs> the, 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 the players union. I, I wondered, and especially where Sean Peyton is so, you know, he's just so apt to throw, every, you know, everybody under the bus, including his GM. He did that last Donald. week. He's already done it, though. And, yeah, and, well, and I'm paraphrasing here, but didn't he say as part of his, I was not privy to yes. much of anything answer, there was, well, maybe certain people will talk more at the end of the season, uh, certain right. people not named Sean Payton. Uh, but yeah. may be named Peyton. And yeah. I thought that uh, he's, he's a dead man walking. He's the guy. Now this came at Sean Peyton's behest, I'm sure, but he and Penner are the two guys who did Sean Peyton's dirty work. They were the people who went to Wilson and tried to get him to alter his injury guarantee. They, they yeah. were the ones who did it. Sean Payton certainly didn't do that. Sean Payton certainly has tried plausible deniability in the past, not that it worked very well in Bounty Gate, but he's he's tried it in the past, and this time it may work. I think the fall guy will be George Payton. It won't be Penner, and it certainly won't be Sean Payton. It'll be George Payton, won't it? Because as, as Sean mentioned earlier, uh, our man Sean here, hey, the players' union may not be done with this. They may not be done with it. They may they may want at least the NFL to sanction the Broncos, which could mean the loss of a draft pick. And they may want some kind of payment, and George Payton's scalp would be one of those moves well, and, that maybe you know, the NFLPA would accept. Don't forget that we know uh, it costs owners three hundred grand to throw drinks at fans too. But Arm, before yeah. you answer that, <laughs> let, let me let me uh, let me try to blast this out of out of the the sky here too. This idea that Sean Payton wasn't privy to it—that's a that's something that's done without his his knowledge. That's contractual stuff. 
the, this is where it always kind of fascinates me because there, there are folks in the world that throw those sort of things out and then, okay, well, let's play that out. Let's go one, one move down the chessboard, right? So if that was the case, what you're saying is if Penner and Peyton or whomever the conversations you weren't privy to said that, well, we had this discussion with Russ, he's not altering it, so we're benching him. You presume Sean Payton would be, oh, okay, I wasn't privy to those discussions. I just play who the team tells me to play. I mean, no, but that's laughable, right? So on the surface, the logic that Sean Payton didn't know or I'm not privy to it, that stuff happens without me having any knowledge. Well, it would indicate that if they decided to bench Russell Wilson without your input, that you'd be okay with that, and everybody knows that's ridiculous. Absolutely. I mean, it was insulting for him to say yes. it. Was in, in, Thank you. Guys you. Framed it. It was laughable. I mean, Sean Payton is involved in every minute detail. The guy's putting uh, opposing, um, you know, logos on the field as you get ready to play a, a road game against whoever it might be. I mean, he knows everything that's going in that, on in that building, and the people I'm told that work in that building, not necessarily handling day-to-day team activities, everybody's on pins and needles, and they have been since he landed they don't like in Denver. They don't like him. I've, I've heard it, that. Uh, more or less directly, people do not like him over there. And, you know, the, the, you, you guys are absolutely spot on that he was very careful with the way he phrased things. Right. He wanted to point out, I'm, I'm going to distance myself from right. that. Hey, that was an upper management. Yep. I know a lot of things around here, but gosh, they, it's football. George and the other guys, they're, they're in charge of that. The way I see this playing out last week, or excuse me, when this happened uh, during the bye week was Sean said to to George, hey, we need to, you know, we're looking at the contracts. We need to, to do something about this guarantee. Go talk to Russ's people. Of course, George did, and they said, ah, we're okay. We're going to keep that clause in there and that accelerator. Well, they and only course, said that they only said that after the NFLPA sent him a letter, a exactly. threatening letter. I'm sure that's that's when they backed off. When of course, Wilson went to his union and said, "Here's what they're trying to do." I think it's uh-huh. probably in violation of my contract that they're threatening me. Uh, yeah. And, and, I, and, and the NFLPA responded in the way. Uh, I, I don't know if the NFLPA can be characterized over the years as a good union, but they acted right. like a good union here representing uh, sure. uh, one of their uh, uh, players. And it, yes, that's when the, uh, that's when the Broncos backed off. They didn't Absolutely. back off any time before that. No, no, no. And and I would argue that that's the reason why Russell Wilson is still on the roster while he's he's still practicing today is because I think the Broncos are afraid yeah. that if they were to send him home, right. there would be grounds like for Like the Raiders right. did to Derek Carr and last I, year. And I they think sent that, him home. I think that changed too because I there's no re- if you're look, if you this is all over an injury concern, right? Russell Wilson Correct. was listed as QB2 and Ben DiNucci was not active. I was shocked by that, and I've been telling everyone, Danucci will be active. They'll have all three active because if Jared Stidham gets hurt, there is no way on earth they're putting Russell Wilson in to potentially get hurt and risk that injury situation. I think they didn't do that specifically because they didn't want the look, the optics after all of it had been exposed. And, and if you think about it, how insane would it be if Russell Wilson had an accident getting ready to run on the practice field, slips in the shower, has a weight fall on his toe, whatever yeah. it may be right. that would trigger this clause. Yeah. The that, fact that the big horse runs still by there, and him, right? Yeah, the mascot throws a hair in football. Is, <laughs> yeah, it, I mean it's literally it's certifiably insane if the money is the grounds for this entire thing, which we know it all is, and yet you're putting him in harm's way potentially. 
to trigger this accelerator, it, 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 it's mind-boggling. It's optics, right? Here we are. Yeah, and here we are, and I would assume tomorrow when we run out there for our viewing, you know, 15-minute viewing right. period to watch practice, there's there. Russ. Yeah. He's going to be the first guy on the field and proceeding as though nothing has changed. Right, right. And, I, you know, I, I, I want to get your sense, too, of how Wilson handled this because we, we talked about that at length during the first hour. Think what you will of Russell Wilson and, and his sunny disposition, uh, but – I'll tell you what, if I knew that I would not just be demoted, but probably at some point I'll effectively be fired. And you're playing over the last two months with the professionalism he exhibited. I think he deserves some credit for that. And I don't mean by giving him credit that we feel sorry for him. What I mean is he deserves credit for showing a hell of a lot more professionalism than the two Paytons and Penner showed in the last two months. Absolutely. And, and leave it, leave it to Sean Payton to, to make Russell Wilson appear to be the good guy here in Denver where fans just couldn't wait to get rid of him last year at this time. Right. Now, now at least fans can say, well, you know, there is a bad guy and it's not Russell Wilson. And frankly, the reason why all this was leaked out is because this has now become a PR battle. It, it was a battle for playing time. Now it's a battle between the two PR teams, which is the Broncos and Russell Wilson. Well, the Broncos because, aren't saying anything. They're too scared, no, as you pointed no, out. They're too absolutely. scared. But, but Russell Wilson's team has certainly gone on the offensive, and when he was benched, Guess who leaked the information that there was this threat to bench him right. if well, the contract wasn't wasn't somehow switched up and, and they genuflected to those demands. Yet here Russ is. He he said that he did not know that he was going to start in the next game, which was a Monday right. night game the at Buffalo, Buffalo game. until noon. Right. And here he is. <laughs> after after beating Kansas City for the first time in forever. Right. And and as bad as this this all is, he comes out of this smelling like a rose. He's he does. a sympathetic I, figure. I, I he think went so. Out and he soldiered on for seven games, knowing that this right. team did not have his back, knowing this team was more interested in saving money than winning right. football games. Of course. And he put on a good face. He was a great representative yep. for this organization. And that's the way they're going to frame it next year. You know, hey, I'm going to come play for you. I'm going to make you guys look good. And you know what? I'm going to take the league minimum to do it because the Broncos, these he idiots in Denver are on the hook. Yep. And that's the way if, if I was Russell Wilson, if you were Russell Wilson, after this, that's exactly the way you I You know would. I do want to play for next year? And I know you. Sean's mentioned the Steelers. I want to play for the Raiders. They need a quarterback. Mm. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? That would be the ultimate. Oh. To have Russell Wilson come here and win a game in mile high. How good would that feel if, if, if you're number three right now? In black and silver, no less. I yeah. mean, it will be a fascinating yeah. offseason yeah. for sure. Make sure you give Aaron a follow. As always, uh, you want to stay on top of uh, everything that's going on. And Aaron is as good as anyone in town. That's why we love having him on. Uh, you can find him on social at Aaron Anderson, A-R-R-A-N. And Anderson spelled with an S-E-N, all of it together. Aaron Anderson on social from Fox 31. Thank you so much. Always good talking to you. Every time we have you on, I realize like we should have booked you for two segments. 
Oh, my God. What an honor to be the first guest of the new year. Happy 2024. Thank you so much for having me on, and, and I look forward to catching up with, with you very soon. All right. Happy thank new you. Year. Thank you, Arn. Appreciate it. Uh, he's absolutely right when you're talking about the idea that uh, Russell Wilson is going to end up in this as a sympathetic figure, except for, I think, a handful of Broncos fans who just look at yeah, wins and losses I, and go, well, whatever, I, he I didn't win. I don't care what I, happens I, to him. I agree with him, though, that I think, and again, maybe I'm splitting hairs here. I think the sophisticated Bronco fans, I agree. which are more numerous than I think a lot of people believe, I think they they don't feel sorry for Wilson, but they side with him in this case. Yeah. If you're talking about the lesser of evils, he's the lesser of you evils. You want something that's relatable? I know the money isn't, but I think something pretty relatable is people go to work and all of a sudden their job's like, hey, you know what? We decided we're, we're cutting back and we need to cut you this month or we need to make sure we cut your money back to help the, the team and but then the boss is still driving around in that brand new tesla or whatever yeah. i think a whole bunch of people can relate to that the dollar figures i know aren't yeah. necessarily one-to-one but the concept it's the same and i think there's a lot of people that understand that when the rich get richer and the employees and in this case russell wilson is an employee are the ones that get their they have to bear the brunt of that and i think that that, that part is relatable and i think for wilson i think there will be a lot of teams that will be more than happy to understand we can bring in Russell Wilson and whatever happens, we won't have a problem with him. That's a big deal. And it will matter for the Broncos themselves. Who knows? Y'all enjoy probably two more years away from making an actual playoff run. We'll talk about the Colorado avalanche. who looked like they're in position to make a good one back atop the Western conference, or at least tied for it uh, because they have the best player in hockey. We'll talk about it next on Miley Sports. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar. Presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. The Colorado Avalanche, 37 games into their season with 49 points tied atop the entire Western Conference. They do lead the Central. Uh, Winnipeg has a couple of games in hand and only down by one point. But the Abs have been playing uh, much better hockey. Yeah, Dallas and Winnipeg both have a couple of games They have in a couple hand of games in hand. With identical records right. behind the Abs. Uh, at the moment, but you know, as long as the Avs keep winning, uh, you've got to win those games you haven't had. They have won four of their last five and got points in the other in yeah. the overtime loss to Arizona, which has got to be one of the worst oh, losses yeah. they have absorbed in. Yeah. I don't know how that long they were up four to zero and somehow lose five to four well, in overtime. Uh, but, with three and a half left in the second yeah. period, it's four to nothing, and you lose. Uh, now they did get a point; they did get it to overtime, but that's that. That's the only thing standing between the Avs and a five-game winning streak, and seven, two, and one in the last ten, which really should be. Eight and the two. three losses we talked we talked about when we last we're, we're talking about the Avalanche. You know, Alexander Georgiev it looked a little wobbly uh, in the last three wins. They've allowed one goal in yep. each of them: yep. four, one, two, now, one, three, one against Arizona, St. Louis, and San Jose. Because they, they they really were not the better team in St. Louis. No, St. Louis was was really they played very well that and, night, and uh, they won two one, and that's the kind of game that. Really good teams, perhaps great teams. That's the kind of game you win. And Bednar, always on point, 
said right before that game he had challenged, and he said, well, you got to start winning some two-to-one, one-to-nothing yep. games in here. Yep. And which they have not done this year up until Friday night. That was the very kind of game they hadn't been winning uh, this year. They weren't great, but they found a way, and they kept the score down. And, of course, you know, when you're playing San Jose, you're playing the equivalent of the Detroit Pistons at this point. Yeah. Because they're the San worst, they're the worst team in hockey. 11 shots on goal. They're the worst team on hockey in hockey by a distance, yeah. as yeah. a matter of fact. Now, he, he made 10 out of 11 saves, which is nice for your save percentage, I guess. Helps a little bit. But I, I think we need to understand that uh, if they win tonight and he's between the pipes, that's 20 wins for him this year. And when it comes to winning games, um, I, I pay a little more attention to wins with respect to goaltenders than I do with quarterbacks and pitchers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do. Th- yes. Because you, you're generally, when you win, generally, not always, generally you've outplayed your counterpart. And I, I think, if you've got the best goaltender, it can be six to five, but if your goaltender is better than the other guy, it, you're going to be on the long end of six to five uh, most of the time. And, and I look at their team right now, and listen, there's no question McKinnon is carrying them, mm-hmm. but Nishushkin's playing well, Ranton's playing well, Druan's playing well, Jill Hansen's picked it up a little bit in the 10 days that we've been off. Uh, Wood uh, was okay uh, the other night in the most recent game. Um, the last, uh, you know, the bottom six forwards aren't giving them a lot, but they aren't costing them, uh, at least not in the last two or three games. And, uh, uh, you know, McCarr is playing big minutes. Um, I think there's another gear uh, for him to find. Uh, Taves is playing well. Uh, Gerard came back the other night, and I thought he was good. Uh, you know, didn't get a ton of ice time, but was plus one in 16 minutes, 18 seconds. And I like the pairings now with Taves and McCarr, Byram and Manson, Gerard and Johnson. Yeah, I think getting Gerard I, I back like, stabilizes some things. I like uh, the pairings because it yeah. gives you a little bit of juice on that uh, third defense tandem with Gerard and Johnson that most teams don't have. Over at ESPN today, Greg Wyshynski, the longtime hockey writer, uh, went through a, a basically a sequence. He has a panel of voters, and they, they kind of just marked where everyone stands for the awards. Nathan McKinnon took the lead for the Hart Trophy in today's story. And specifically, uh, here, here's what Greg wrote in the first paragraph. For 19 games this season, Nathan McKinnon decided he wouldn't be stopped. He's one of the few players in the NHL who has the luxury and the talent to decide such things, a player who can strap his team to his back and yeah. carry it for over a month. His 19-game point streak was the second longest by an Avalanche player in franchise history, posting 13 goals and 23 assists uh. in 19 of those games. One of the voters at, at, for McKinnon, for Hart, gave this description, which is phenomenal. McKinnon is a bull in a metal shop, but he still manages to break things when he hits them. No superstar impacts the game with his physicality, quite like McKinnon. And it's a very underrated part of his game. I think he's the runaway winner. And I say that because I look at the six teams in the NHL right now who have a better point percentage than the Avs do. And where are the MVP candidates? Where are the Hart Trophy candidates in Winnipeg, Dallas, uh, Vancouver, 
Los Angeles, New York, Boston. There aren't any that, that are remotely comparable to McKinnon. And the guys who, in most years, the McDavid's of the world, they're playing on lousy teams. And the other two guys who have been mentioned, their their teams aren't nearly as good as the Avalanche. No, I mean, so if you're talking about guys who carry their teams, only one player McKinnon's carrying his team and, and, better than Hughes, better than Kucherov. Yeah, I think Kucherov. You have an argument. He's the only guy that has more points than McKinnon, but he doesn't well, do as yeah, much but, either. But their, their team, Kucherov doesn't their take faceoffs. Face McKinnon does. Division. Yeah, the McKinnon has the Avs tied for tops in the West. Yeah, to my mind, it's. It's McKinnon and it's a runaway. And you get the idea that now he's maybe getting a respect for the fact that you think of McKinnon and you think of the skating ability, specifically that explosive burst that gets him to full speed within two strides. Uh, that's still there. But yeah, he's really hard to move off the puck. The idea yeah. that the physicality is now starting to be part of his game, it, it always was, but it seems as if he's gotten a little bit older and a little bit stronger. Uh, McKinnon is a uh, he's solid. He's on that exercise regimen yeah, now. With he's a, a solid two bills. Physical. Therapist, and he as looks it, were. it, and uh, and now that is becoming as he as he's uh, getting older. Remember, he's still only turned twenty eight just a couple months ago. But you're talking about a guy that that has uh, grown into his full strength and is using that as the speed as well as the strength, and he has simply become uh, undeniable as a, as a player. It's remarkable to see. And when you look at the way this team was viewed last year, it was there was kind of the idea, wow, is Kale McCarr actually the Abs' best player? And the idea that McKinnon was sort of okay, even maybe fading a little bit behind Rantanen because the, he's not really caring about that. This is a guy that really well, values. Well, a lot of that was injuries. Too. Right, right. And it's also that McKinnon is one of those rare players, and you've talked about how important it is to have these guys on championship teams that hates to lose more than he likes to win. Oh, and much, McKinnon much more hates so. losing. Much, and as much a result, he's also one of those guys that doesn't take a lot of the credit. He just doesn't he's not that guy he's a guy that's second in the in the league in points but most of them are assists even though he has a very reputable goal total and he, he is very underrated as he, a he's terribly he's terribly underrated across the league why, which why is insane because he's the, arguably the best player in the league did you see the rent and set up yeah. there? i know it's a power play but still i mean he's thrown a puck between a defender's legs and then you just say oh yeah he does oh, that. yeah uh, yeah yes yeah. just another assist and rack it up and uh, listen, I, I've been a proponent in the past of sticking with uh, McKinnon and Ratnan, of course, but with Landeskog when he was healthy. Right. And recently with Nashushkin. Mm -hmm. And I have come to the conclusion that whoever plays on that left wing mm -hmm. with those two guys. You have to step up. It's going to play well. But you have to step up or it'll uh, show. Oh, yes, but. If you don't step up, you won't play. They'll That's move, why I love move you back. putting Nachushkin there because but, you're getting the best well, version well, of Nachushkin. I, I know. By putting but, there. But Nachushkin can play well with Johansson and Wood mm -hmm. in a way that maybe Druan can't. You put Druan with McKinnon and Ratnan, and he's not going to be a point machine the way the other two guys but are. Elevates. But he will elevate his game, and he will gladly pick up some of the checking burden if need be. Not that McKinnon and Renton need a lot of help defensively, because they don't. They're both pretty solid uh, on that end. But Durant played 22-52 the other night, and I thought he was very good. And as long as they're winning, I, I think it helps Johansson and Wood to have Nashushkin with them on that second line. Uh, they 
they need they not only need Colton back, they need Colton to play better than Colton had been playing. You can't have Ben Myers centering your third line. No. And, and, and Colton's be been a, taken a minus player on the year, and that's been a concern. Yeah. Yeah. And Colton's got to play better. Uh, but Johansson has, he's picked it up a little bit. I think he has. Yeah. And uh, the other night, on, I know it was an empty net goal, but he was winning all the key faceoffs mm-hmm. down the stretch in that game. And he had, I believe, an assist on. Uh, Manson Manson actually had two goals the other night. One got called back on goaltender interference, which I thought was a little dicey. I did too. But he got it back. With a a beautiful, uh, beautiful empty. And Manson's playing better. We know Byron plays better with Manson than he does with Gerard. Yes, big difference. And Taves and McCarr always going to be the premier pairing. Uh, And I like Gerard and Johnson together. I do too. For, you know, 12, 16, 17 minutes. Uh, Gerard's going to play more. He's younger, but you know, Jack Johnson had an assist the other night and was plus one in 1158. Um, you know, Gorgiev had very little to do the other night. That was, and again, I understand it's San Jose, but they're playing an Islander team tonight. That isn't exactly a juggernaut, but they are 17 wins and 19 losses. But they are tied for fifth in the entire Eastern Conference in points. So it's not a team that you can overlook. Obviously, they yeah, will well, find no, out. I, I, I think they're, I think they're a playoff. Colton team. is that, a. That is a. Have you looked at that division except for Columbus? Yeah, it's not great. That's the best division in the league. When you're talking about the difficulty it, there, the fight, team that is forth, in a, yeah, seventh place in that division is 18, 13, and four mm-hmm. has a winning record. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, they'd be fifth in the other division. <laughs> right. it's, it's a little top-heavy. Right. They will take on the Islanders tonight. Colton, by the way, is day-to-day, expected to be a game-time decision. Otherwise, the team, more or less, uh, as healthy as expected. We know Landis Gog and Francois out for the year. Arturi Lekkinen is uh, still out, but, by the way, has been skating with the non-contact yeah. jersey. So I think it's a, a month. Sign. Don't yeah. you? About a month. That sounds about right. But uh, for the most part, getting healthier and playing better. We'll see if the Avs keep it going tonight. We'll talk about it tomorrow. They take on well, the Islanders tonight down at uh, Ball Arena. After tonight, at Dallas, Florida, Boston, Vegas on a three-game mm-hmm. homestand, at Toronto. Statement opportunities here. Uh, at Montreal, at Ottawa, you like that. But then they have to play Boston and Boston. Five so they got a home-and-home home with trip. Boston within the next 10 games. At Philly won't be easy. Six out of ten on the road, starting with a game tonight. So uh, it's it's an opportunity for them to pick up 12, 13 points in the next ten games. I think that would be actually pretty good. And you get the two games with Boston uh, out of the way. Uh, Boston and the Rangers, the only team back east, really playing better than the Avs are playing right now. Right, right. And they're playing real well by, by anyone's – uh, standard, but even those two teams have leveled off a little more recently, especially Boston. Uh, the Abs are doing okay, seven two and one in the last ten, four zero oh, and one in the last five. Hey, you know, Jay Z said it right. What's higher than number one? It's where the Avalanche stand right now. That's exactly where they are. Let's see if they can keep it going tonight. For the Denver Broncos, uh, they could get a winning season, I suppose. But you know what? They're back on one way or the other. The quarterback carousel. Get excited. Cue the calliope, the circus music. The Broncos are back looking for quarterbacks. Yay. We'll talk about it next on Mile High Sports.
This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Well, the local squad isn't going, but you can go to the biggest football game of the year, courtesy of our friends at Superbook Sports. Superbook will fly you and a friend to Las Vegas for February's championship game and give you two tickets to the game, plus a three-night hotel stay. That's, you know, that's like the whole trip. Bang, you're there. All you have to do is place a $25 same-game parlay between now and January 7th, so that's coming up, and then you're automatically entered to win. So wager and win a super trip to Las Vegas, courtesy of Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We've been asking for uh, your feedback, too, including the idea of, you know, at what cost winning? Are you okay uh, just having players be disposable? They're just, as Jerry Seinfeld once said, you're rooting for laundry. Uh, You don't really care. I kind of asked that question, and we wanted to get your text, of course, as the Broncos go into their final game of the season uh, with a chance of getting a winning record, but it will be yet another year without the playoffs. Danny Bailey's been monitoring that. Danny, what have you found? Uh, not to, not anything actually addressing that question, Sean, which we talked about before the show right. and a very interesting topic, I think. But a little bit of stuff about Peyton and the relationship with Russ. This from Man of the People. He said, Wilson will not throw in the middle of the field because he's too short. The owner could have said no to Peyton. What's your real solution going forward? Well, one, that's correct. Historically, Wilson uses the middle of the field far fewer than most quarterbacks in part. Yes, because he's short. That, that's simply the truth. Uh, he's had success throwing outside the, the lines, outside the numbers, at a success rate higher than most quarterbacks over his career. But you're right. Um, the important part of that text is that ownership could have said no. Ownership could have said no to a few things. They could have said no to Wilson's new contract. Although, I think, Sandy, before we un- unpack that too much, Wilson may have very well come with the idea, I'm only waiving my tra- no trade clause if I'm getting a new contract. And by, and by the way, at the time, I get it, it, it didn't work out. Uh, nobody thought that signing Wilson to a new contract after trading for him was a bad idea. So let's not it was hindsight that. Of course, what were they going to do? Let him walk. Let him walk after, after one. Years? Yeah, after after giving all that. So I don't look at the contract as any real problem. But yes, ownership could have told Sean Payton, "No, we're paying Russell Wilson a lot of money. Uh, you should you need to make it work. That's your job." But you know what? Notably, obviously, they didn't do that. Well, they didn't vet him, and I was reminded last week. Uh, as this story broke and all kinds of things that were said in the past got brought up again. And if you recall at the introductory Russell Wilson press conference, uh, George Payton is standing up there with Nathaniel Hackett and boy, are they feeling their oats, especially Payton. So George Payton has asked the question, did you look at film on Wilson. Yeah. I mean, recent film. You and I were standing right next to each other. At, right? Right there. Yeah. yeah. I remember it well. <laughs> I, I do too. Needed to be reminded of it because I'm old. But, <laughs> I, and so a lot of things get filed away and I did. Oh, yeah, that that's right. I, I do remember that now that it's brought up again. So he's asked the question and he says, let me tell you a story. Before I made the trade, I went to Hackett and I said, you want to look at any film of Russell Wilson? And Hackett's reply was, and he's telling the story, Hackett's right there. Hackett said, hell no. He's been kicking my bleep for years. Right. And this, So the, the way, answer was no. And we, they didn't vet him. We heard from they Aaron didn't Rogers even look earlier at today, right? And uh, Aaron Rodgers rightly pointed out that uh, they had had pretty good battles when Rodgers and Wilson went against each other. It was in seven different games. Uh, Wilson won all the home games. 
and Rodgers won all the home yeah, games. Yeah, I, I didn't uh, get the kicking my tail comment. In fact, quite in frankly, Bay, in the seven games, it, it was 4-3 really to three advantage of the Packers. Right. But the home team did win every game. Uh, I, I And first of all, you were the offensive coordinator, so how much were you really paying any attention? And I'm, also reminded, I, I'm also reminded of uh, the Matt LaFleur story uh, that came out of uh, last year. LaFleur was talking to uh, a friend of his in the coaching fraternity. And uh, the subject of Wilson came up. And LaFleur said, I, I'll never understand why Hackett didn't call me. You know, two former colleagues, head coach of the Green Bay Packers, offensive coordinator of the Packers, 19, 20, and 21, yeah. right? Okay. said, I'll never understand why Hackett didn't call me. I could have told him that Russell Wilson was in decline. Never called. So, this, listen, uh, Sean Payton wasn't here. And George Payton and Nathaniel Hackett did not do their homework. That's not Sean Payton's fault. But Sean Payton came here to do two things, and we talked about which was more important, and I think we both kind of agree uh, fixing, quote-unquote, fixing Russell Wilson was secondary to winning football games. But I think Sean Payton believed from the beginning that he couldn't really win with Russell Wilson as quarterback. I agree. But he needed a scapegoat if things didn't go well. And that brings to mind the Rodgers comment after Peyton went after Nathaniel Hackett in August. And Rodgers' reply was, it's a shame that a winning coach like that is so insecure that he has to make a statement like that to give himself a chance to make a soft landing when the team goes bad. Right. Rodgers was exactly right about all of that. And they were greasing the skids. Once it was one and five, Peyton had decided what he probably knew from the beginning. It wasn't going to work with Russell Wilson. And even after Wilson won two games, does anybody believe that Sean Payton did anything but go to George Payton, go to ownership and say, it's not going to work with this guy. I'm just telling you, he can't be our quarterback next year. Now, it's some of that has to do with to Wilson, work. and some of that has to do with Payton as well. Well, yes, yes. Peyton but it clearly was Sean has a Payton offense. went to those guys. Oh, of course. And those guys saying, well, of you know, let's see. What can we do? And it, and I'm sure Peyton said, I'm looking to bench him. And so they go, even after they won two in a row, they go to Wilson and say, uh, you think you want to push that injury guarantee back a little little bit? And Wilson's, Wilson's like, got to be looking no. across the entire NFL Hell going, no. uh, I'm good, thanks. Hell no. I think I'll uh, keep the injury guarantee with guys falling like flies. Yeah, I mean, obviously. As we pointed out, the ASC alone, 11 of the 16 teams started backup quarterbacks this this week. I mean, absolutely bonkers. The Broncos will have their final game of the season in Vegas against the Raiders. Another team will have their final game in Vegas. Uh, two teams win the 
playoffs and Super Bowl rolls around, but uh, Denver won't be part of it. This will be their last trip before they get back on the quarterback carousel. So that's right, fans. We're back at it. Aren't you thrilled? Going to talk about Bo Nix and Penix and uh, McCarthy, Jameis Winston and McCarthy and Gardner Minshew. Catch the fever. Yeah. Jacoby Brissett. Can't wait. Or you can, you know, just watch the abs tonight and get a whew, get a sort of a refreshing uh, dose of that. That might be a better choice. We'll be back for all of that tomorrow. Thanks to Arn Anderson for joining us. Thanks to Danny Bailey in the booth for making everything work. Always appreciate it. Most of all, thanks to you for listening. We're excited to have you back with us in 2024, whether that's on FM, HD, you're going to MileHighSports.com, or you're getting it on the free Mile High Sports app where you get all of everything we do and more. That's the way to go. So just grab that and get all of it in your pocket. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks so much for listening. Keep it right here on My Life Sports. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.